Well, my name is Haley. I'm 22 years old. Um, I also study computer science with Amelia and Ash at the University of Denver. Yeah, I am the CMO of Booby Damn. What does CMO stand for? Uh, for those, for the, our listeners who might not know, Chief Marketing Officer of Booby Butter. No, I know. I like how Heather <laughs> poses that question <laughs> because she <laughs> wants to know what it is. Yeah. Uh, no, that's amazing. And so, I, how long has Booby Butter been been a thing? A year and a half. A year and a half. Yeah, a year and a half. So I got really, really lucky. I actually saw Amelia pitch Booby Butter about a year and a half ago when it was just starting. Because um, we're in a startup club on our campus together. And I remember it was kind of the first startup event I've ever been to. And I saw her pitch and I was just amazed because she's incredible. <laughs> I was so impressed with the cause. Uh, Amelia and I actually worked together uh, last year, so we both taught um, and we still do teach coding to elementary and middle schoolers. Amelia and I got to teach girls to code, and it was awesome, That's and it so was cool. so empowering. And I've kind of always been passionate about female empowerment and um, kind of shifting the way that society and culture sometimes can marginalize females Um, and so Amelia approached me and asked me to join the booby butter team and I was really really excited because it's just a movement that I think is really really important and it's an awesome product and she's doing incredible things so I was really really excited when she approached me and asked me to join the team that's amazing from yeah. one group of girlfriends to yeah. another group mm-hmm. of girlfriends. These <laughs> projects are, you get to spend time with your friends, but also be productive and make something that you believe in. Yeah. You know, and that's awesome. Absolutely. The biggest thing that captured me about booby butter is, you know, even if you don't have it in your family, you still should be checking. You should be aware. I never had heard of even breast self exams before. I wow. I'm just amazed at that this. That blows my mind. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, my mom gets mammograms every so often, but that was really all I knew about it. And I have, you know, two sisters and a lot of incredible women in my life. And I want them to be educated and feel empowered and feel happy with their bodies and their boobs and all of that. Um, Of course. So what else can we get on the booby butter site? Um, so we also have candles and then those t-shirts, the booby tees are yeah. really popular. I love wearing them. I wear them like snowboarding, skateboarding. <laughs> and how much is a t-shirt and how much is a massage candle? Yeah, do yeah, you sell it separately? <laughs> yeah, we sell them separately. Um, we're working on sort of like a bundle sort of thing um, and adding new products to the subscription. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, a t-shirt, I believe online is $25. Um, and again, there's that $5 code off of anything. Um, and the, the candle is, I believe, uh, $12. So, boobybutter.com. <laughs> Booby butter. Booby without the E. Yay. Sweet. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for chatting with us. everybody and welcome to (laughs) well this sucks our podcast about our fight against my breast cancer (laughs) 
Yeah. That was good, right? Yeah. I like uh, that. My name is Daniel Hernandez. I don't know why I like saying last names. You kind of said your male name, too. Daniel. <laughs> Daniel. Who's I, Daniel Hernandez is me. You. Yeah. <laughs> I am then <laughs> Tanner <laughs> Hamilton. Yeah, you're Tanner Hermilton. 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 And I'm Heath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Heath Higgin. Hergen Murtham. Murtham. Uh that's not true. We're not men. I'm Heather. I'm Tana. Danielle. And, and Ooh, but did you want to tell a story first? Okay, so I we uh it's told this story Start before, time. but it hasn't come out yet. But it'll be out by the time we tell this by the time um, this comes out. Right, Anyways. Right, right. Um uh-huh. This is okay. So my visit to the gyno, yeah, consultation went to the gyno. Uh, showed up. Uh, was only expecting a consultation. The nurse is like, "Oh, you're gonna have an exam," and I'm like, "Oh man, I wasn't ready for that." Define like, what it means to be well, ready. Th- I mean, you know, <laughs> you gotta mentally prepare and you have to physically prepare. It's just. Anyways, physically prepare how <laughs> no, the downstairs mix up. What do you? Yeah. Um, and I, the landscape. So anyways, so, <laughs> so she puts me in the room and she's like, undress, la la la. And so I'm, I prepare myself there as much as I could, I guess. I don't know. I just, I got undressed and I sat on the exam table and there was a knock on the door and I'm like, come in. And then <laughs> come in. in comes. Come in. Dr. Riley. <laughs> and I'm just like, what? <laughs> like cross my arms, cross my legs. And I'm just like, this guy is not examining me. <laughs> I was like, I can tell you right now, so it's not going to happen. Doctor- no, but I had like, I accepted it. And then he just started chatting with me. Like he wanted to come in and meet me. And we were talking for a while. And then probably after like two or three minutes, maybe five, it felt like five, uh, he was like, oh, you're not going to have an exam. You can go ahead and get dressed. <laughs> and I was like, why Wait, didn't, didn't you lead with this, Dr. <laughs> Riley? Why didn't you come in and say, go ahead and get dressed? And just like when you told me this story before, yeah. I didn't know it was only two to three minutes. I expected it to be like 20 minutes. And you're like, why didn't <laughs> it you tell me like that? felt like forever. Okay. From the beginning. Yeah. When you were told, well, so I came late to her appointment. <laughs> And I walk in and the first person I see is Dr. Riley. Cause she was like, take your time. I have to get an exam. And I was like, oh, oh no, she <laughs> had to get examined <laughs> by like this cool guy. <laughs> this hip like, looking well, guy. Yeah. You know, Dr. Riley's got to, uh, like, you know, he's got a couple tattoos. He's like our age. I yeah. Said, our you're age. like a year older uh, nose than me, ring, right? Yeah. We talked to him. Mm-hmm. Beard, June, he's a June baby. He's a June baby. Oh. We're, like, We're all cancer. June babies. It's like yeah. getting examined see, by the one cancer of your, June baby. Mm-hmm. They are not. Mm-hmm. Balance. So, yes. Wow, that's incredible. So Which is, is yours a birthday? Is yeah. the 24th? 24th. Yeah, 28th. Did I tell you? 14th. You did. Yeah. Okay. She has <laughs> just a killer memory. It's amazing. Yeah. She does have it. It's also um, my friend Mabel's birthday. But yeah. Anyways. It was crazy. There we go. Uh, thinking that you. The, so the whole time Heather like was a, sitting like there being friend. like. It's he, like having a friend. Yeah. Exa- like, uh, yeah. You know, we're not. used to our doctors being older. Just either, like, yeah, I had, I used, yeah. I had a male gynecologist, um, and so I'm, we'll tap into this later, but interested to hear your view on that. I had a male gynecologist, but he was, I think in his seventies, he, he delivered, he birthed me, <laughs> he birthed no my kidding. mom. Yeah. Wow. Um, and I, it I was just, never weird with him because of his age, but also just his practice. I mean, he'd been in it obviously for years and years. Um, and he just made me feel very comfortable 
But ever since then, I've always had female gynecologists. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah. on. Before, whoa, whoa. But so the point is, we <laughs> have oh, guys, Dr. we have a guest today. <laughs> Dr. Riley. Are we finished? <laughs> <laughs> no. We have Dr. Riley here. Thank you Welcome. so much for coming. Thanks Thank you for, for having me. Yeah, we're excited. Yeah. This, I've never actually been in such a told you this before, but I've never been in such an organized podcast mm. scenario. Ooh. Have you been in a, on a podcast before? I think, but it was before podcasting was cool. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. you end up on a podcast without realizing you were being on a podcast. Right. You know right, what I mean? Right, like it was right. a recording, some strange recording that is now a podcast, that type of thing. Whoa. So this is real. This is like, uh, this is a, a rite of passage. Damn. Welcome. Thank you. From wow. an LA resident. And, <laughs> and you mentioned your friends might be interested in starting one. Well, if I, so, what would it be concentrated on? Uh, I um, I think the the topic that we've discussed has been sort of taking a step back from from what Western medicine has tried to do, mm-hmm. and maybe trying to reformulate that into a, a a a more broad maybe understanding of human health. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, so that it, it comes from my experience with exercise and diet and. Um, maybe maybe changing the system and sort of the culture of, of healthcare mm-hmm. versus just trying to treat and react and treat and react and and wow. and, and whatnot. So so it's that a, like incredible. a little yeah. more philosophical, yeah. but yeah. I'm very excited because yeah. I want you to touch on that. Yeah, we should. Well. Tana we has should. so many questions for oh you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, there were Tana's questions. It wasn't me. Yeah. I mean, totally. Heather's got I a lot of questions. I sent Dr. Too. Riley a laundry list of questions <laughs> and now I'm embarrassed about no, it. No, it was great. You were way more prepared. I just told him, hey, come on our show. And then you guys did everything else. So <laughs> I appreciate that. I was like, Takes we gotta send him questions. <laughs> we gotta send oh. him something. And there's another special guest oh, with us yes. today. <gasps> Our extra special. Hi. Dr. Riley brought, you've had this pup for a One week. One week. Oh my gosh. Actually, so Charlie is, day is here. Seven, yeah. Oh my god, happy birthday. And she is, uh, I feel so lucky because she's just laying on my lap right now. <laughs> and she's being so sweet. She's the sweetest. Heather rejected Bob to hold her. Stop it. <laughs> mm-hmm. He got mad at me. He, Bob's he did. A jealous, I he think. got mm-hmm. so upset. This this cute little female puppy that's yeah. sitting on your lap. But he was real excited to meet her too. He was. <laughs> Where should we begin? Where do we begin? <laughs> I don't even know. Your story? Yeah. Do we take Why it? are you a doctor? <laughs> Why are you a doctor? Easy. So Why? Seven Why? words. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was that easy. Oh damn. damn. Uh, yeah. Yeah, why? I guess why women's health? You probably are familiar with the the medical training process to some degree. Everybody yeah. knows somebody who went through medical school or pre med or whatever. And when I, you know, I started in um, in in I'm from Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. My wife and I are both from Pittsburgh, and I I went to the University of Pittsburgh, and I was a Spanish major and was taking those Whoa. science classes and um, did a lot of international work and and saw you know the the disparities in health and i decided i want to go into medicine i want to do cancer i want to do something you know like those sex, sexy things you see on tv it's true right <laughs> where you're you're saving lives by ripping stuff out and repairing it and and all of that stuff i think everybody kind of goes through a phase like that and then Heather. <laughs> they do right? i will tell you <laughs> they uh, do you have a I was pre-med, <laughs> but uh, don't ask me it didn't anything. Last. I know nothing, as you can probably tell by Did my questions. Uh, no, mm-hmm. no, not at this point. <laughs> like Jesus, I don't even know what a covalent bond is. There's so many chemistry hey, classes. Hey, but you know what a covalent. You know that you that, know that is a thing. thing. Yeah. I, so hey, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, is, man. That is a step <laughs> up. Yeah. Um, 
but I think it was like Scrubs was so hot back then. Totally. <laughs> and totally. so yeah. it was Grey's Anatomy and Oh my god, Scrubs. That's right. But like I forgot about that. I didn't know what I wanted to do and I was kind of this feeling. <laughs> I can I this moves me for some reason. I must be want to be a doctor, right? right. And there was some family stuff going on at the same time that kind of like also influenced that decision. Um, and then by the time I graduated and finished all of those classes, uh, I was like, oh, I don't want to be a doctor. I want to be an actor. <laughs> you can act like a doctor. <laughs> so I can act like a doctor. Uh, anyway. I'm sure you would um, do a great job. <laughs> hey, thanks. As a doctor on TV. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> I need 10 cc's. 10, I need stat. 10 cc's stat. <laughs> Just end it with stat and it sounds scary. <laughs> Such a doctor. That's what you see on, a, yeah, on TV. Get me the prescription. <laughs> I always find it Build interesting that they're operating in like the darkest surgical suite on the planet on <laughs> yeah. Grey's Anatomy and they're, yes. like, they're like digging yeah. through the body and the whole room is dark so you I can see like this weird spotlight. light. Yeah. yeah. It's like, come on guys, you can't see. You gotta, you gotta turn the lights on. <laughs> that whole room needs to be lit. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm like getting antsy. Same on Law and Order. <laughs> like the police station's like all romantically lit. Yeah, it's like the like, precinct not, looks like yeah. uh, like some sort of James Bond lair, like, <laughs> like, yeah. like, a, like an evil lair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, instead of all that fluorescent lighting. Right, right. Wow. Mm. But yes, but sexy doctor. So sexy doctor. You wanted to be a sexy doctor. <laughs> well, That's what I got. You know, hey, hang on. <laughs> I, uh, so yeah, so I saw the, the, the shows and then you see that there's a lot of people that need help and, you know, you have to be reasonably good in school. And so it kind of just trickle into that. And then um, you go to medical school. I went to Temple in Philadelphia. And yeah. throughout that time, mm. you, you know, you, the way medical school works is you have two years of very hard book studying you're covering like a textbook every two weeks it's brutal it's oh, really yeah. really tough and after that you get out of the library and you start rotating through different disciplines mm-hmm. you know okay. and I didn't really I like anything and I started getting scared what's that I said Grey's Anatomy yeah yeah you start you you, you, you kind of know this process mm-hmm. everybody's at least remotely familiar because it's such a big thing culturally and Right. And um, the only one that really kind of stuck was OBGYN. And I think it was because it was generally young, healthy people who were also gatekeepers to the household. So women generally are the people that are taking care of everybody. Mm. So maybe right. it's maternalistic wow. instinct. I don't know what yeah. it is, but women are generally more open to the lifestyle stuff, you know. And before med mm. school, I was doing triathlon and I was doing lots of exercise mm-hmm. and physiology and nutrition. And, and I thought, well, maybe if I had the opportunity to to talk to women, maybe yeah. I would actually be able to impact the society's health, you know? Wow. That's amazing. Wow. That's yeah. Beautiful. That's so yeah. cool. Very yeah. interesting. So Good answer. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> a plus. A plus. That's a, that's amazing. Yeah. I'm just like, okay. Thank you. No more questions. <laughs> wow. No more questions. <laughs> well, yeah. So after you're done with your residency, you're going to be going into palliative. Is that how you pronounce it? Palliative. Palliative. Yeah. 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 Or palliative. That's fine. What the heck is that? So, so, so in 63 days, I have a countdown. Not that, I'm, not that I'm really counting, but in 63 days, like residency is over. It's, a, it's tough. Oh four years. Gosh. It's brutal. So That's 63 amazing. days. Four yeah. years? Congratulations. Four years yes. and the sleep deprivation oh comes to a close. Yeah. I mean, babies or whatever happen. I don't know. Like right. something will happen that I won't right. sleep you know, in the future, but <laughs> that ends, babies I, happen. I'm going to say, yeah. Yeah. Or puppies actually. For hashtag that matter. hashtag yeah. babies happen. <laughs> hashtag babies happen. All right. Sorry. <laughs> T-shirt. <laughs> um, the, uh, the, the program I'll be starting is in San Diego at UCSD and it's oh palliative, palliative and hospice medicine, which is 
a very broad term for a lot of things. Um, essentially, what a palliative care doctor does is when a person gets sick, in your, in your situation, you were diagnosed with breast cancer, let's say, you may be referred to palliative care because they can help make sure that your, your symptoms are under control mm -hmm. related to either disease process, maybe not so much for yours, but let's say that somebody has really bad, um, I don't know, pancreatic cancer or colon cancer or something. They have really bad constipation or GI issues. You know, They may address those things and try to get the nausea under control mm -hmm. so that the oncology team can maximize the aggressive nature of the chemotherapy. That's mm -hmm. one, one example of what a palliative right. care doctor might do. So let's say that you know we're going to treat this with chemotherapy, but you're not able to tolerate it because you get nauseated. Well, then we can't treat it. So why don't we try to get the nausea under control, mm -hmm. and then we can go more aggressive in order to try to cure your disease. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, That's one role of a palliative care doctor. The other important thing is, is from a communication standpoint, I don't think we as GOBGYNs in particular and we can go in. This is probably a whole separate podcast oh issue. But the, I want to know. What this the, is like the goss. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and this goes into actually, Tanner, your comments about having a male gynecologist. I think oftentimes we medicalize everything and forget that this is a, a person a person sitting here. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I know you've had this experience without even asking you. Yeah. Because you've probably seen uh, two dozen doctors and half of them have have maybe said the wrong thing at some point. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> there's like, mm. no, I it's. What was it? The the first oncologist. Name. Yeah, I never met him. I was just oh assigned God, to him. Um, but he didn't even come to meet me mm -hmm. after the conference. Mm -hmm. Like when I had an appointment to see him, the only the surgeon came and was just like, and that's when she let me know that it was stage four, and that the oncologist wanted more exams before he would say how he was going to treat me, and that pissed me off. Of yeah. Well, to not even like come down. I'm like, and you didn't even her. come yeah. down here and like yeah. tell me like you know. You're, you just say you wanted, want me to have more scans, you know? And I was just right. like, oh, man. And then the nurse messed up my scheduling big time with him. And so I had to call back and be like, like they scheduled me to come in in March. And it, I was, it was a whole month later. So I had to, I was like, I think you scheduled the wrong day. I need to come in, you know, next week. And he wasn't available. So they put me with, the, they put me with Dr. Kwan, mm. who is my current oncologist. Mm. And I love her. Yeah. And it's just weird because he it was a male doctor and he I just was he didn't understand like I don't know but I also heard like oncologist's bedside manner is not that great I don't know well you know it's a complicated thing and I think that we as OBGYNs we're actually trained as surgeons mm -hmm. because a lot of what we do is surgery we do a lot of gynecologic surgery like mm. benign hysterectomies or benign oophorectomies removal of the ovaries um, hysterectomy removal of the uterus mm -hmm. c-sections of course you know is a big mm. topic now and mm -hmm. and that's a completely separate field you know essentially OBGYNs do these two totally separate things mm -hmm. and and in the process of learning and mastering those skills, you tend to forget about the person mm -hmm. and you just tend to treat it as a, a complex problem, mm -hmm. you know, or, or as a surgeon, you have to kind of treat it as a, I've heard people say like, you know, it's that surgeons sometimes will treat it as like a meat sack. Like Ugh. it's just a bag of organs yeah. and you got to fix it. Like it's yeah. a car. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and naturally in order for you to cut into a body, yeah. you, have, you can't think of it as, yeah. mm -hmm. as a person. Right. Objective. It's, it's a very fine balance. Yeah. So when you're an oncologist, you're constantly being faced with these very difficult medical and ethical dilemmas. Mm -hmm. and, and the, and if you see it as a person and you get attached to that person, that person doesn't respond to, to your recommendations. You, you know, that's heartbreak over yeah. and over and over again. So they have to become a little bit calloused. And I think it does maybe necessarily to some degree actually impact their bedside manner. So it's mm -hmm. a, it's a challenging line to walk. Right. Yeah. 
they're people too. Right. And, and these are people. Exactly. They have yeah. families. You may remind them of their niece or their nephew mm. or whatever. And, and it's, um, it's, it's, you don't realize this whenever you're in pre-med, when you get sure. through the psychosocial side of medicine is something that we don't teach well and we don't even do well as a society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so it's a, it's a challenge. Yeah. And I mean, it I'm is. sure oncologists, they, all they do is deliver bad news. <laughs> right. <laughs> Every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah every interaction there's a chance that there's going to be some really bad stuff that they have to say so i mm-hmm. so so i don't know how to how yeah. to be an oncologist I, I i think that they're that they're angels in some respect but i think that the one-on-one interactions more often than not people don't see them as angels they see them as mm-hmm. as, right. as bad people and but he didn't even come to see me <laughs> that's true so, well i mean you're yeah. as, a, as a patient in my in my my practice you deserve to be seen mm. and to be touched and to be listened to and, and heard yeah. Yeah. So there isn't a ton of focus on bedside manner or like how do they right. even teach that? Or I don't know. How do you we we don't do it well. We yeah. don't do it well. We, we've been trying. And, and the palliative care, back to your original question about yeah. palliative care, what, what a palliative care doctor does is they're a consultant when a person is diagnosed with something very, very difficult to mm-hmm. manage. So cancer is a very common one, mm-hmm. right? We, we never know what's going to happen with cancer. And if a person again, wants to go aggressive with their treatment, they may need palliative care or mm-hmm. there may not be treatment available. And then no doctor is prepared to go in there and say, I can't fix this. Yeah. Oy. We, we are, we are, we are groomed as elitist and in, in, in the sense that we are supposed to be able to figure out the problem mm-hmm. or the solution to the problem. Right. And that's a challenge, you know, I mean, think about any other profession. Like if you're in an airplane and you're the pilot and you say, guys, I can't, I don't know how to land the plane. I, I, I know how to, but I can't do it in these circumstances. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People are going to think, you know, well, what the heck, who hired this guy? Yeah. You know? yeah. So it's a, it's oh, a little yeah. bit of ego, but it's, it's also a, a pressure that's on doctors to be perfect. Right. And we're not, we're humans. Of course. Wow. So the yeah. palliative care team, actually, they, they are the masters of patient communication. And, and a lot of the palliative care people, myself included, are going into it in order to improve patient physician communication mm-hmm. in order to optimize your experience mm-hmm. and, and everybody's experience really wow. with, with medicine. How mm-hmm. is this like a, a newer practice or like something that's, it is relatively you new. Know, yeah. Just talking to you now, it all, it all makes sense. Your path, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> what brought you to meeting Danielle? Cause Danielle's appointment was with well, gynecologist, yeah. oncologist. Yeah. You had an appointment to see your gynecologist <laughs> <laughs> referral. And then you heard about Danielle coming in and you wanted mm-hmm. to meet Danielle? Well, so I'm an, a fourth year resident, meaning I'm, I'm one of the chief residents. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and the uh, GYN oncology are the oncologists that deal specifically with female reproductive cancers. Mm-hmm. And so just as a, for your listeners, that would include the lining of the pelvis, the skin inside the pelvis called the peritoneum, the fallopian tubes, the ovaries, the uterus the cervix, Mm -hmm. the vagina, the vulva is like the outside of the vagina. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and the G Wayne oncologists are oncologists that focus on those parts. So in order to help the service run smoothly, you have a fourth year resident who's learning about the workup for cancers. Mm -hmm. We're never going to be treating cancers entirely on our own, but we should know as benign OBGYNs as sort of the gatekeepers to the oncologist mm-hmm. when to screen for different cancers or what might, you know, the, yeah. what the red flags might be for certain right. things or certain family history elements that might, you know, mm-hmm. suggest that you are higher risk for breast cancer, for example, or ovarian cancer or whatever. And so mm-hmm. I was on the service um, and, and your name was, you were the next patient to be seen. And I decided I would, as with all patients, you know, in that 
in that setting in residency training, I would go in, get the story, make sure that we understand what the consult's about. Mm -hmm. And then, and then Dr. Axtell and I will discuss sort of a, a game plan Mm -hmm. and we go in together and we, we talk. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 So that's regular practice. Yeah. Yeah. This. Yeah. That's. That's. It. Whenever people say you, you're at a, a teaching hospital, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean mm-hmm. residents are doing anything by themselves. It's. It's yeah. that mm-hmm. you have an extra yeah. doctor mm-hmm. yeah. who's who's working and getting sort of teaming up with a with an attending physician or a faculty member. I was like, is it because yeah. Danielle is a young breast cancer patient? Mm-hmm. And I guess how often have you seen breast cancer patients, or have you like felt any lumps if sure. you, when conducting exams yourself? Um. I've found a couple like lumps or little nodules on breast exams, but I've, it, they've never come back as cancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cancer is still relatively rare. And so there's a lot of bad luck out there. If yeah. you have a genetic mutation, as you mm-hmm. do, mm-hmm. Um, obviously your risk is higher, but you don't yeah. find it very often. It's really, <sighs> it's really a challenge. It's a challenging thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I've found a couple, yeah, especially like in our, our pregnant patients on their first mm-hmm. prenatal visit, you'll do a, a brief breast exam generally. And if there's any like discharge from one side or yeah. if there's, you know, an inflamed or enlarged lymph node here around the neck or the collarbone, mm-hmm. it might be a reason to get some imaging or just to keep an eye on it. Yeah. So when you <clears> do <throat> find a lump or an irregularity, mm-hmm. then you do uh, call for tests. Yeah. But it's, but it's hard in young patients. Yeah. So young patients generally have benign lumps, you know, adenomas and things like that. It's doesn't matter what you know it doesn't matter the actual scientific names but basically you just get you know lumps that form Mm -hmm. and they may come and go with your period Mm -hmm. they may get bigger and not go away and then you need to work it up um the mammogram well work it up like meaning the other tests gotcha so like the you know we hear you've heard about mammograms there's also Mm -hmm. something some ultrasound studies you can use to look Mm -hmm. at it if you're really concerned you can actually go in with a needle and like kind of try to get some 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 fluid out of it if it has fluid inside or maybe even just a biopsy of it if you're Mm -hmm. concerned um but in young patients those tests aren't as useful the the mammogram especially Mm -hmm. yeah because of the dense tissue bingo yeah oh whoa i did not that's what had happened to me i had gone in after diagnosed (laughs) and like you know feeling a lump or maybe just being hyper aware right sure you know and you're like is this just because I am super aware and I've always had it, but now I'm noticing mm-hmm. it. So, um, I insisted on getting screened. Sure. I have yeah. no history, mm-hmm. but I told my doctor about Danielle. And so she scheduled an ultrasound, which I did, but I have dense breast tissue, especially having smaller breasts. Um, and then they did order a mammogram and then I got a, an, I never got a call or anything. It's, it showed that mm-hmm. it was fine. <laughs> and even when I was there, they could tell me that immediately. And then I did get a paper in the mail saying, just so you know, you do have bre- dense breast tissue. You're like, Woo. breast dense tissue. I Congratulations. Said. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it is hard to detect. But even just receiving that letter, I was like, <gasps> it scared me a little bit because it was kind of saying... The word dense or like just like uh, no we just might that, not be able to find mm-hmm. it because of this because of the density yeah. yeah yeah and that you may want to do a follow-up did you do a follow-up like another no, like mammogram no. or yeah. yeah again it's i think it was just more so a uh, protocol for them when a patient has dense breast tissue <laughs> front what is it what i know dense. i was like de- am i saying it right because at this point i don't know <laughs> <laughs> milk ducks well 
I haven't had any mammograms, so I have nothing to say. <laughs> Thank you, Heather. <laughs> but I will say that. I will say this. I don't know. I was going to say something stupid. I don't even remember what it was. Danielle, how did you, how were you I, diagnosed? Um, I noticed a lump and it kind of came and went. And um, like you were saying, in younger women, it's not uncommon um, to have like, I read it, like the have lumps come and go, especially with your period. Um, and then I noticed for a month probably that it was getting bigger and it was not going away. So I scheduled just an appointment to see general practitioner and she uh, recommended that I get an ultrasound and yeah. And once she recommended that, I was like, it's bad. It's not good. I didn't like verbalize it, but I just, I knew, I knew in my bones um, and then yeah. ultrasound, and then they were the technician was like, or the doctor, I don't know who it was, was just like, we need to do a mammogram, we need to do a biopsy. You have cancer. And the story <laughs> That's begins. the bridge yeah. version. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Cliff notes. It was all very fast and nerve wracking. Yeah. And scary. That waiting game. Yeah, it's the worst. I, my old job. I used to work for a staffing agency um, and there was an office coordinator there. Her name is Cynthia and we were close. We were very close. She just messaged me on Thursday and let me know that she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And yeah, and she, she's stage one. So like she just met with the doctor, I think on Wednesday. Um, And it just so happened that I was, I had an appointment with my psychiatrist in West Covina I drove from Encino to West Covina. It was like the worst oh, thing Jesus. ever. Um, but I only see him like twice a year. Um, and I was like, I'm going to stop by the office because it's in Monterey Park. And so it was on my way home. So I stopped and I saw her and we like met for, I was there for a couple hours and we talked. And um, when was this? On Thursday. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she's like, it's nice to have somebody like yeah. to talk mm-hmm. to about it and connect with. So yeah, it's nice of you to do that. It's interesting because you say cancer is still like relatively rare, but it doesn't, I mean, of course, to me, it doesn't feel rare because Danielle is my, you know, Mm -hmm. one of my best friends. Yeah. Tana, you're also (laughs) one of my best friends. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But not even just that. I know this this is like cancer in general, but a friend of mine, um, he posted that he has testicular cancer Mm, and he's, yeah. And he's, so I'm like, is it rare? I don't know. Yeah. And then like another friend also some some other type of cancer that who's also well, like our age like in his early 30s and i'm like is it the water right you know i don't know or is it just statistically is it rare because like there's right. like what seven billion people's i don't know any amount i guess just feels like a lot right. mm-hmm. it's not really well, the when, case. when you develop new tools to help detect cancers as well it yeah. gives this idea that there's a rise in the incidence uh, of cancer and that from a statistical right. standpoint means that there is more development of disease amongst the same number of people. So if the incidence goes from one in a thousand in 2012 to 10 in a thousand in 2018, it looks like, oh my gosh, something is allowing, right. you know, but really you're, elbow we're just cancer like- to get, yeah, to, to, to become more prevalent. Something is causing that. Mm-hmm. Or do we just become better at detecting right. it? Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'm sure it's a, maybe a combination of the two. I have no idea. I don't think yeah. anybody does. That's yeah. a, like the Gordian knot. That's the big conundrum. Mm-hmm. 
but that's an important perspective which my neurotic mind was not considering <laughs> i was like it's the we have to eat organic <laughs> well, i'm throwing out my sugar <laughs> well i do i do think that that a lot of the things we do in our lifestyle are probably not good for us yeah yeah i don't know exactly what to recommend <laughs> i have my ideas and my sort of well please share <laughs> yeah, do these yeah. are just your ideas I, I don't i don't know what the answer is but there are certain things like a lack of movement and probably excessive sugar and it's not just added sugar or refined sugar mm-hmm. it's like we eat a lot of sugar, mm-hmm. sugar. Mm-hmm. and and you know we were Maybe we'll have to do like a part two or something like I that. I think we do. But yep. the, yeah, there's the, a little coming back. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the ketogenic diet is something that's very hot right now. Mm-hmm. If you type it into mm-hmm. PubMed, which is like our database of medical literature, I, I Ooh, wish PubMed. I had the numbers for PubMed? you. PubMed, P-U-B? But P-U-B-M-E-D dot com. You can type in, any anybody can go in there. You may not have access to the full journal, but you can read abstracts. There's probably... I don't even know. There's probably a billion abstracts available in there. Wow. And it shows the amount of research that's been done on various things. And if you search ketogenic diet, it's one of those things that's been ramping up in the amount of publications over the past 10 years. That's very and, interesting. And yeah, and so what they've, what they've been finding, and this is just one example of something that people are starting to elucidate as potentially one of those holy grails of, of cancer metabolism and whatnot. And that is that your body, when you aren't eating anything overnight and you wake up and your breath stinks, mm. it's that like fruity smell. Morning Those breath. are ketones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ketones. So so after 24 hours of not eating anything, let's say, you, you your body will start tapping into fat stores right. mm-hmm. and you'll oxidize fatty acids in order to produce ketone bodies. And your body can use those for fuel when you're in a fasted state. It's a normal a thing you know like back before we had mm-hmm. grocery stores and you had to go and hunt food you may go days without food so your body had to tap into into oh i love when other, heather like learns something new other, and her uh, eyeballs get you real huge it's great <laughs> or like when i haven't thought about yeah something. you're right. just like oh, days without food <laughs> are connecting in your brain i can hungry see it, thinking about it. <laughs> sorry but, to interrupt yeah. you no it's okay it's, a, it's okay but, but certain tissues will preferentially use sugar or other fuel sources mm-hmm. over other cells mm-hmm. And we know that the brain is very active. We know that cancer is very active in metabolizing sugar. So what if, and this was kind of the early, early studies, actually the ketogenic diet was initially used for patients that had like epilepsy and other neuro, neurodegenerative yeah. issues, for uh. lack of better terms, neurologic issues, um, because your, your cell, your nervous system uses sugar so mm-hmm. well. So like, what if we could starve it? What if we could do something slightly different? Would its behavior change? And so... So what what, they, what we found is that cancer cells are not able to use ketone bodies. It's, it's, uh, at least certain cancer cells yeah. aren't able to use ketone bodies as well for fuel. But you can, and your healthy tissue can. Yeah. So you could survive if you were ta- if you were if you were metabolizing ketone bodies over sugar. So if you cut sugar out mm-hmm. and force your body to go through this production of ketones, ketogenesis, potentially the cancer cells will shrink. And we actually have found that in certain cancer types. That you actually do have a, a better response to chemotherapy if you've fasted beforehand or if you've taken uh, supplemental ketones. And mm-hmm. that's still a very early area. But it's one of those things where it's like, I'm not exactly sure how we got on this topic. Well, <laughs> I, I asked. We, we went tangential. But no, not even. I mean, it's but, um, still relevant, you know. But uh, yeah. basically, we all need to be keto. 
<laughs> but I have well, so Dr. by Riley sugar. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just gonna say that includes honey, maple syrup. Does that include and like fruits or well, keeping it under a certain num- sure. number of grams? And does it, that include bread? Y- yeah. You know? So it's like basically, basically what you have to do if you really wanted to try it. I've done it before, and I actually, for whatever reason, I go very easily into ketogenesis, or into yeah. ketosis, and you would only know if you were testing your urine for ketones. So you pee in a cup or mm-hmm. whatever, and then you, uh-huh. you dip like a little litmus, like a little <laughs> piece of paper in there that'll change color whenever you've hit a certain concentration of ketones. I have some. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. You have some pee or really? papers? The, the, the papers. Oh. <laughs> they're, they're you do? Little, you're like Amazon, Amazon gift, yeah. uh, <laughs> gift registry. Yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> um, Why'd you test in your pee for? Because I used to try it, well, for like shallow, okay. superficial, like, I don't want to lose weight. Uh, I used to be keto or I did my best. It really worked. So, you, so you've heard of this then? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but so not then, in ter- not uh, as a way to starve cancer cells. Well, you know? this is a very new, this is mm-hmm. a very, very new technology. And mm-hmm. it's not like we've ever even tested it in people and see to see if their, if their cancer is, response. Uh, you know, response is better. But in theory, and this is how most of medicine works, that's why we go for to, to, to school for years and have all this practice before we even start coming up with these ideas. We say, well, in theory, it kind of works. We understand yeah. how the cell mechanisms work. So, so you know. So to answer your question about sugar, the answer is that you can't eat any sugar. You have to actually completely starve yourself of carbohydrate in mm-hmm. order to get into ketosis. But mm-hmm. once you do, you might stay there for a few weeks, and then add add sugars back in and live live your life for a little bit, and then you go back into another round of chemo. This is in theory how it would work. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you cut all the sugars, including honey and agave and all that stuff out. Because that will throw you out of ketosis. It's mm-hmm. a, it's like a very fine line. Um, hmm. So if it's something that you want to experiment with, you just you get those little strips and you pee in a cup and you wait until you see ah it's purple now or whatever brand you use. Purple. And then, <laughs> yeah. And in, in the meantime, you're eating like all these high fat things. Mm-hmm. So avocados and coconut products and mm-hmm. other oils and things like that. So. Avocados are nature's gold. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, I love avocados. are nature's candy. Avocados <laughs> are nature's gold. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah. oh, how does, well, no, you no, go, you go. go. Yeah. No, you go. They're <laughs> fighting over I questions. just, I, w- I want to, we there's so much information that you have that we want and to mine for (laughs) but there's not enough time in the day um since you recently followed well the sucks podcast on instagram i happen to go on your instagram as well um because i wanted to know more about you because these ladies yeah of course uh these ladies had met you before and i this is my first time meeting you um yeah tana wanted to know what was up yeah i don't know what was that who's this guy who's that yeah who's, who's this, coming in who's my this friend's guy nose ring doctor what well my memory was that you had full tattoo sleeves <laughs> we so, thought about she's this like, no it was a cool Very guy heated. it's, it's <laughs> up here half a sleeve yeah on i didn't arm. see that at all like you, well, I he was wor- okay you just saw you just saw like, yeah i saw that this that. was yeah. like yeah I was like, Danielle had to be examined by some hip ass cool doctor. <laughs> yeah, with full sleeves. With full sleeves and a nose and ring. And a nose ring. Yeah. That's <laughs> just like, I don't know about all that. Well, a young, just, attractive yeah, doctor, you know, let's just say like, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, whatever. But no, I think <laughs> it's very interesting to hear someone in the field who has studied for so long in this field, but also you're taking into account natural medicine 
And mm-hmm. I mean, basic lifestyle changes right. if needed. And also just how everything relates to itself. Um, so you, from what I could tell, are in yoga as movement generalist. I Is am. Is that right? Are you an instructor? I I am actually a certified CrossFit instructor. Okay. And I do the yoga and a lot of mobility stuff on the side just because, you know, one example, when you're operating a lot, as, as I have been, you get back mm. pain, you get shoulder pain. So I've actually been helping some of my faculty hmm. <clears throat> with certain movements that might help their back and their shoulders and their neck and everything feel better after long days of surgery. Because mm. whenever you get injured or if you end up with like some sort of tendonitis, you, you can't operate anymore. That's your livelihood. Right. Yeah. It's not these. It's like your back, actually. Mm-hmm that really limits your ability to, to practice medicine. So remember that all day long, I'm not doing cancer and lifestyle. I'm actually an OBGYN, which is very much, we don't generally, um, make recommendations along the lines of lifestyle changes all that frequently. It's really about, you know, it's kind of like with everything, here's a problem. Here's this thing we can give you to fix that problem. And so I'm more interested in the podcast idea that I have as well for myself is, well, I it's not just you. lifestyle. It's like we need to completely reframe how yeah. we approach mm-hmm. patient care because right. we're not we're not doing the best that we can. Yeah. So but yeah, so I, I do a lot of a lot of movement mm-hmm. and exercise, gymnastics, that type of stuff myself, Amazing. just to stay. Yeah, stretching. Stay fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and even with when I heard about the story, how you met Danielle, mm-hmm. but just and I can even tell just from the way that she explained it, your temperament and how you put her at ease apart from the shock of like this young doctor coming in <laughs> thinking that you're going to do exam? the exam from this guy when but I have it prepared <laughs> I wasn't ready for this <laughs> oh man but then, then he yeah. sweating <laughs> I sweat so much I when I'm nervous sweaty. it was so bad I was like oh god okay please but also this is happening yeah, this is I hide it yeah but putting her at ease um, after speaking with her for a little bit. Um, and then even just the way you're speaking here today. And that's something that brings me back to my gynecologist from Florida, like mm, the mm-hmm. one that birthed me. He would always. <laughs> that is really cool, birth- by the way. I know. That is so yeah. cool. <laughs> and I'm like, should I just have a kid just so he can birth? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> keep it going. I don't know how many like, years uh, he's got left oh, to no. practice. You better hurry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you better hurry. I'm not. not you can happen. carry my baby. That's right. That's right. I'm going to carry Danielle's that's baby. Right. No, they're not. We had this um, discussion. They're both very much against it. That was something that. <laughs> what? Whoa. That's another can of worms. But we but start. I'm, I mean, we'd like you told us that you would it. resent us for carrying yeah. your baby That's pretty why. much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why. <laughs> well, you guys were it not. It looked like, like you weren't into it at all. <laughs> okay. You baited them, and then you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Thank but you. But like, I like yeah. I said it, and both of their faces were just like. And I was like, I wouldn't. And then I just well, of tried course. to. It was fine. I wouldn't the ask shark. you guys to do it. But are you? I mean, like, look. It's okay. We don't have anyway, to talk about it. Moving on. <laughs> I'll have your baby. No, I don't want you to. Dr. Joyner, um, he, the I reason. I was like, that's, the, that's not his name. My <laughs> doctor from Florida. I'm getting back on track, remember? Okay. Doctor. Thank God she's here. <laughs> uh, Dr. Joyner, my doctor who birthed me. Um, the reason I felt so comfortable with him apart from him birthing me (laughs) um he i would the first time that i had gone to him when i was i don't know when i started going 16 18 when you were born 
Right, right. <laughs> but then a few years later, I went back yeah. after sexual maturity. Um, he, I was a little nervous at first because I'm like, Mom, that's weird. Like, he's a guy, but he's your gynecologist and he's going to be mine. And I don't know, you know, like I was going and it, it was fine, but it was in the back of my head um, thinking about that he was male. Um, but immediately I walked in the room and it was like a law and order episode or Grey's Anatomy <laughs> surgical episode. The lighting? Was, the lighting was dim. Um, that instead of having these fluorescent lights and you're just naked and exposed, the lighting was dim and he, he had his own lighting for, for the tests and the pap. Sure. But yeah, during the whole yeah, headlamp. <laughs> <laughs> a headlamp. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, All right. The he talked to me the whole time and he just explained his he just went on tangents and but very relatable and relevant tangents of um how human bodies work. And it was all very interesting where I was my mind was off of the test. And I was just listening, like mm. I was like Heather expressions with wide eyes, like, oh my God, <gasps> that makes so much sense. Like we all look pretty similar when we're babies. And then we start going, reverting back like Benjamin Button <laughs> when we get older and we start looking similar again because of the hormones and we're losing the hormones and we're not born with them, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, just like really interesting mm. facts about human life. And but that's he what was relaying to you that he was just talking to me yeah, the whole yeah. time and like um yeah just really just really interesting uh information the whole time and that really put me at ease and also just it kind of yeah brought it to a uh, a more general idea versus like me just focusing on my body and someone being like touching me or feeling vulnerable yeah. it just made me think about just human existence. <laughs> she got deep with you, dude. It was intense. Yeah. But it was, it was all very interesting. But my, yeah, the bottom line is it made me much more comfortable because of his knowledge and just the way he walked me through it. And you being here today, even just like that you have said when we've like been like, oh my God, yes, like that <laughs> makes sense. Our minds. Yeah, <laughs> things like that really help people not studying medicine or not yeah. in that industry. It also gives yeah. me more faith. There's been a lot of, a lack of trust. I don't know if you've felt that right. mm -hmm. well, in I, general. I can actually ask you guys that. Do you, do you feel, aside, apart from you in Florida, Tanner, have you guys ever had a male gynecologist? Sorry, my mm -hmm. name's Tana. <laughs> oh, it's Tana? I said Tana at the beginning of the episode because that would be my male name. <laughs> yeah, oh. we were jokes. It was, it actually sorry, is I messed you up. Yeah. I thought I messed up when I called you Tana from the beginning. <laughs> no, you're right. Oh, no. Well, look right. at this. The tables have turned. Wow, wow, wow. wow. Oh, okay. man. So, Tana, mm -hmm. you had a male gynecologist. You guys have never. No, I've never mm -hmm. had a male. And from, from, you don't even, it doesn't even need to be said, but it's a very vulnerable sort of interaction, mm -hmm. right? There's, there's this, I mean, just the, the nature of the beast. Yeah. It being a very kind of private thing that's done in a somewhat of a public setting because it's a stranger or a mm -hmm. dude with tats walks in and does it and a nose ring <laughs> right <laughs> well um, you know <laughs> well no so so I, I i understand it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't even matter like there's there's that natural vulnerability but have you guys felt like there's a growing distrust not just in gynecology but in the between i don't know for the lack of better terms the lay people and the medical people for some reason I do, but I don't, 
just, but it could just have been the environment that I grew up in with my family. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They just didn't want to go to the doctor, you know, or like they, right. they were like, right. I don't think this is, this was a healthy thing for them to do to tell me like, don't trust the doctor. Yeah. I, you that's know? so weird. Cause it's I'm weird. completely opposite. I don't yeah. know. I just, I always blindly trust doctors and I feel like I sh- probably shouldn't, sure. but well, um, I think there's gotta be a balance. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like you just have to find, it's not one I'm size like, well, the doctor said so, so you don't, mm, right. you know, right. I've just always had that mentality. Yeah. I don't know why. I'm just neurotic now. Yeah. You don't trust anyone. I, I have, I, I, what you're saying is something I, I, on a daily basis have observed, like just in a brief interaction where somebody, you know, they come in with questions that I can tell are worded in such a way that somebody has developed mm-hmm. a distrust within you apart from what I have come to the table with, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of how I speak or the types of things that yeah. I recommend, you know, these, these things that I said that I think are, are important that we probably are getting wrong. We're probably not moving enough. The sugar thing, the, just the way that we eat, the way that we, we kind of isolate ourselves and we don't often seek out other people. We are kind of losing our tribe as a, as a, mm-hmm. as a, as a rate, as a true. species this community. Yeah. That community, like those are all things that I think, I think going in, it always catches people off guard when I say those things because they, it's like, it's like, uh, they, they, can't, they can't even be, believe that a doctor is saying those things. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering how we, how we got there, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just wondering as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I guess, I guess I haven't been to the, I finally went to the gyno after eight <laughs> years. Eight years. Yeah. That's how long it had been, but I didn't want to tell you guys because I was nervous. Tana's uh, like, doesn't even I have words for well, her. I went. She's just like, <laughs> I went finally. Yeah, you went. And you know what she said? I love her actually. <laughs> uh, but she was like, boy, I'm really wrenching you around in there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, You're I like, know. Like, yeah, I know. You don't need to tell me. <laughs> Whoa. I feel it. <laughs> She's funny though. It um, is funny. But boy, I don't even know what I was saying. I've, I even like, because Danielle's treatment has also been so successful that like, for me, it's really helped me open my mind back up mm-hmm. to being more trustworthy. Me like, whoa, it's balanced. Like, don't be so crazy, Heather. But you know, then you have, cause you have a lot of like this other culture of like anti-vaccine, that mm-hmm. whole yeah. movement, which yeah. I, well, even I don't like Rachel's with. story about her dad, oh, that, that was terrible. she just came on. Like Rachel, you met her when you got here. Oh, she was yeah. leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, her father passed away from colon cancer. And just the way and like, the way that it was detected. And but she was also kind of fuzzy on the details, I yeah. suppose, because her family was keeping things from her. Right. And not. Um, I feel. Yeah. And, he, you know, I feel weird discussing it. Without yeah. Her. No, no, I'm just like, no, I was just speculate. Yeah. Well, it, it's a common, it's a common scenario mm-hmm. and, and you always feel like you were, you were forgotten or, or, or somebody mm-hmm. forgot to check something or whatever. And, and maybe that's it. Maybe that is, that is what happened. Who knows? The bottom line is that it's a very complicated thing right. between a patient and a physician. And, and, you know, you add on to that, like from a gynecologist standpoint, I have to also then take into consideration of, you know, this is a very vulnerable position mm-hmm. for my patient to be in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it adds this whole level of not just like you know, nerdy scientists going in with like mm-hmm. all these magic potions that I can mm-hmm. use to try to, to, to match up with your specific issue. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, right. having good physical exam skills and mm-hmm. having a nurse that is nice to you. And yeah. there's this That's whole experience. Yeah. It's a really complicated thing. Yeah. Um, being diagnosed or even 
being seen for like a routine checkup. It's mm-hmm. a really complicated thing. So it, I don't know, in the age of information, I guess we have maybe too much. Maybe we have too much information <laughs> too much. sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like my experiences, they just did not mess around with me. They were just like doing yeah. all the tests. Yeah. That was getting good. me in right away. I mean, Even like I had to be hospitalized when I finished chemo and like, oh my gosh, what was it? I had a fever and I went to the ER and what was it? They were like, oh, it's sepsis, she's septic or oh something like God. that. And I'm like, that was a trigger word. That's yeah. not good. Trigger I was like, word. what? And they like rushed me into oh. the room. They started taking, I had three different nurses taking blood out of me. And I was like, what has happened? I was the scariest moment oh, of everything. Horrifying. There was no um, sepsis. No, yeah. Um, my um, uh, white blood cell count was really, really low. And Did you have a fever? Yeah, I had a fever for like a so, day and yeah. a half. You and can I was have a fever from just having a very low white count. Mm-hmm. It's called neutropenic fever. That's exactly neutropenic what it was. Everybody had to come in with masks. Yep. And yeah. I was going to say. Yeah, it was, it was put my mask on wrong. Pretty scary. Yeah. 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 Anyways, but, but I was just saying like that people don't mess around. I think going, going mm-hmm. back to uh, how people can see the medical field, it's it's trickier because there are all sorts of different types of doctors and the way they approach it. I think you're on the correct end thinking about the whole picture lifestyle, yeah, the whole person exercise. Yeah. The, in the human, but I definitely understand the, the, how you were explaining the separation a doctor has to have between seeing a patient as a human and also just as a problem to solve right. or a puzzle. But a lot of times I think if we, like going in for a checkup, you're at the certain age, you are recommended, you know, at 50, if you yeah. don't have get a history, get the colonoscopy, yeah. get a mammogram, start doing all these things. Um, and you just expect to go in, everything's fine. Routine. But then someone is diagnosed and they're like, no, like this was just, I'm just doing my thing. I was right. supposed to check it off right. my list and I, I can't check it off because now it's this whole other list that I have to make. <laughs> and they want, but they want, I'm not happy about that. They list. want solutions, <laughs> you know, as anyone would to fix like you're like okay now i have this other problem that i want to fix sure and if you can't present these immediate solutions people can get frustrated and maybe blame the medical field or blame their doctor um if all options aren't presented to them or if it yeah again if it's not an immediate fix Mm -hmm. but or they just want like a pill to take they want a medicine to take Mm -hmm. to either cure it it. or Mm -hmm. to subdue it and yeah. when you start talking about a whole lifestyle change, it's it's even more overwhelming to hear on top of just getting diagnosed or um, finding out you have a new illness or disease. Then you're like, oh, okay, well, I, now I'm thinking about this and this is part of my life now, but now I have to do this whole lifestyle change where you, it was a little more digestible maybe if you could just like take medicine just right. and take care of sure. it. But right. then like, right. oh, I have to completely change my life in order to live. Live, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but I, I think that that's a big part of the future of medicine. And I mean, what what should be a part of it? Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Just get, go for a damn walk, please. <laughs> maybe, maybe in a, in a, a future episode, we can go through like the, you know, I don't know, maybe just a basic, I would love to a do basic that. sort of here. I this think is like 10 recurring things. guests. Oh my God. Wait, <laughs> I want to hear what he's going to say. Yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Go. No, I'm no, just... I mean, no, no, that's, that, that's it. Maybe, maybe we could do that and I can, I can do my best to give, I like principles as opposed to, mm-hmm. you know, do actionable this, do this, do this. Mm-hmm. yeah like mm-hmm. here you know here are the principles 
that I can't say it's going to help you live longer. I can't. Right. What I can say, you know, if you're crossing a street and you look left and you don't get hit by a car, like you're going to live longer than the guy who doesn't look left and right, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that that's, there's basic principles mm-hmm. though right. that help us live longer. And while we don't know exactly what helps to prevent specific diseases always, I mean, there's some that are like obesity and hypertension and mm-hmm. diabetes. Those are the mm-hmm. common ones that diet and exercise do a pretty good job with. But there's a lot, lot of other things that, um, you know, that I think just following a couple basic principles, I think, mm-hmm. I think are, are probably better than going through that process of like, I'm just not going to think of it about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And then I'm diagnosed with something that who knows what it is, but we went looking for it and how we found it. Mm-hmm. And now we got to do all these things now retro, retroactively to try to right. get back to our 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 baseline or whatever I I feel like that is a scarier route to take Mm -hmm. and if we can kind of as a culture and a a society start to accept that maybe just following some basic principles like hey you got to call your mom once in a while you have to hang out (laughs) with your friends you need to you need to indulge once in a while you need to go outside Mm -hmm. you know yeah those types of things and I say call your mom oh I think cry is probably good too though Mm -hmm. you know even when we're when we have a friend who's crying we hand them tissues right away well, you know, some people really are going to benefit from a good cry. Like yeah. mm-hmm. I, I cry once in a while yeah. and it's not like I'm just watching the notebook again and I have this, <laughs> this, this, you know, this, you know, these puppy dog tears. It's not, it's not like, God, that was a great movie. I think the that notebook that's also was the good, the go-to. <laughs> it's a good cry. Nice. Hey, that's a good cry. It, it is a good cry. Um, trying to force out a cry. Yeah. Say what you notebook. will about like he said it was good for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor <Dark>. prescribe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Like yeah, the, of course. Like whenever something either excites you or makes you sad, it's good to maybe release that a little bit. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. I had a great cry last night watching the first two episodes <laughs> of the new season of Handmaid's Tale. Excellent Ooh, show. And then they took it away from you. There's only two episodes out right now. Get the tissues ready, I guess. I guess so. Uh, You'll cry for sure. (laughs) You will cry. (laughs) You will feel things. Uh, That show is so good. (laughs) I'm so so sorry. I went on a. (laughs) She's like, is the new episode out yet? But what's but it's true. But I felt really good. I was like, I needed that. You feel the release. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I needed that cry. My eyeballs felt. Is it as good as season one so far? I love it, but. Okay. There goes my Sunday. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Um, you need to stay inside. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we're prescribing for you. Right, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Right. Everything in I'll moderation. I'll yeah, that's it. true. But with with exercise, with crying, with with calling your mom, hanging out with your friends. It's all it's like important. those are all good things anyway. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You're gonna feel good anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you might as well do them to possibly prevent some future illness. Right. Yeah. I also have a, a theory that people that are obsessed with the self-help thing, which I at, at times have been, yeah. I feel like we make ourselves more depressed because we start identifying more and more things that are wrong with us mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. that shouldn't be there. Right. Because it's you know a book written by somebody else who identified something wrong with them, and they read a book that was written by somebody who found something wrong with them. And you keep identifying these inadequacies you have in how you treat yourself and other people that you start to feel bad for yourself, and you need to dig deeper. It's like this weird positive yeah. feedback loop you know and we can't do this alone we have this idea that you're just going to go to you're, you're going to go and buy these books and you're going <laughs> to fix everything clean your diet up and mm-hmm. lock yourself away on the top of a mountain and you're going to become healthy like it just doesn't, it doesn't like you have to have people way. you have to have a, a family mm-hmm. and, and danielle the to your credit the the i think the the culture that you are a part of in in your in your cancer treatment is probably your number one 
the number one benefit you have over everybody else in the same cohort, the same group of people yeah. going through the same thing. You have I, people with you that mm-hmm. love you. And I think that that's so important. And we don't talk about that. My enough. support system, I mean, has been number one since yeah. the beginning and yeah. definitely helped me through That's so on your much. side. Yeah. Definitely on your side. These are my girls. You're making Tana blush. You're making Tana blush. <laughs> Tanner. 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 Tanner blush. Tanner. <laughs> Tanner. That's fine. Well, yeah. Tanner works too. I love too. you guys. Oh, love we you. love you so much. I don't even. I'll cry. Oh, I'll cry. Let's cry. all cry. Do we sell <laughs> the TP tissues? No. I, no, I had to. In the bathroom. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had so to, many I had good to pee, cries. right? <laughs> yeah. The TP tissue. Um. But yeah, I agree with that, you know, just because I know that um, I'll get into my self-help and self-care routine, hashtag self-care, so hot right now. Um, so hot. But you know what, there's like, <laughs> yeah, so hot. Uh, but if I skip something or if I like set an, if I've set some expectation for myself and I didn't meet it that day, then I'm go to bed and I feel disappointed. Yeah. Right. Which and I'm like, this so sucks. Silly. This is yeah. counterproductive. I had pizza today. I said I wasn't going to have pizza, but, uh, <laughs> but it's pizza or, but it's handmade. Yeah. It is. Anyway. With love. But yeah. So I don't know. It's weird times, I guess. Is, yeah. is it always weird times? Does every generation go through like, this is what's wrong with the world today. Yeah, maybe. I, maybe I think this so. is our thing. This is our thing. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. We if I them. may ask a personal question, yeah. do you have any history, family history of cancer right. in your family? Do you have anyone I do. affected? Yeah, I think that's actually going back to the palliative care thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll tell you the brief version of my dad's story, but um, the palliative care team is ultimately who really helped him, I think, more than anybody. So my dad, um, my dad was in Vietnam. And he oh, was exposed wow. probably to Agent Orange or wow. one of those chemicals. He fixed airplanes. He was a mechanic. And so in the bomb bays, you know, he would be working in there. I'm sure there was some sort of residue or something that he picked up. At least this is our leading theory. And he developed a condition which a lot of men in, in his, he would be like 68 now. But it was about six years ago. Yeah, it was six years ago this coming May. So next month, um, he developed multiple myeloma. And that's, so he passed away six years ago and he had been fighting it then for five years. And multiple myeloma is basically an over, an an overproduction of certain cells in your bone marrow that kind of overtake Mm. everything. It's kind of similar to leukemia in a Mm -hmm. sense in that it, but but it's, but it's a, but it's born of the bone marrow and, and it, and it resides in the bone marrow and creates all these cystic structures in your bones and your bones become weak. And he was a, a big, heavy lifting, laboring guy and. Um, was a really great dad and I miss him a lot and and he he went through all this treatment and ultimately he passed away and um, became very frail and lost a lot of weight and became um, a very different picture of my of my dad yeah but were you with him during that yeah interestingly so my first two years in medical school were in Philly Philadelphia and then the second two years were in Pittsburgh so they had me go to a hospital in Pittsburgh because I couldn't accommodate all the medical students you know students there Mm -hmm. so went back to Pittsburgh and I was in my first day of of um of like my clinical rotations it was a surgery rotation I was supposed to be there all night and as soon as I laid down to sleep I got a call Mm. and they said that's not looking so you should come and see him and he passed away. I went there and I saw him and I, I just told him I loved him and he was not really responsive anymore. And we had our, our moments and my mom and sister were there. And then I think by the time I left, like 20 minutes later, he had passed away. Oh my gosh. 
and and multiple myeloma is one of those challenging things. He had go, to go through all the chemo, and and he had a I think he actually had radiation treatment at one point. He had to have spinal surgery because he lost the function in his legs. Wow! Because yeah. a tumor was growing in his spinal canal, and it cut off you know yeah. the the right. you know his, blood flow. His, and well, it was it was like system. the the nervous system yeah, yeah the spinal cord, and and so right. he wasn't able to use his legs, and mm-hmm. he got he got his legs back eventually after surgery. Oh and my god! So it was like one of those roller coasters, and towards the very end of his life, I was there because I had to go back for my rotations, but, um, he deteriorated pretty quickly Mm -hmm. towards the end. And, um, I brought up palliative care because he had had multiple doctors, multiple surgeons, oncologists. Um, he had neurosurgeons involved. He had his, his like primary care docs were heavily involved. And my mom actually worked for the UPMC system in the department of medicine. And so she knew all of the doctors there and they were all giving him the best care possible because, you know, they knew him personally, mm-hmm. you know, and we, we just naturally do that. You know, mm-hmm. like when you have this emotional connection, you feel obligated to do everything for yeah. them. Yeah. Of course. Um, but, um, but then, you know, and, and he was always a, the guy that didn't want to talk about religion or his feelings. He did tell me he was proud of me about, I don't know, maybe, maybe the two years prior to that, like when I went to med school, he finally, mm-hmm. he was like, I'm really proud of you. And he was getting teared up and I, I will like hold on to that forever. Aww, yeah. But he was a tough guy. You know, he yeah. came from a family that didn't hug and didn't share mm-hmm. things about themselves. And so throughout this process, it was just like, he wore a, bu- a button that said fuck cancer and <laughs> on, yeah. his, on his hat, his, he had a bald head and, <laughs> uh, and well. he, w- you know, you guys want to lose weight? Try getting cancer. And oh, wheel okay. his wheelchair and bump into everything. Like, like he tried to kind of make a joke about yeah, it. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, yeah. he, so he kept his spirits up, but he never really wanted to go there to those places that, yeah. that I now appreciate more than anything. And, and I don't think I really wanted to go there. Nobody mm-hmm. really wanted to go there. Nobody wants to go there. Nope. It's period. true. It's a scary thing, mortality for us. And so yeah. for him to open up, it took a special doctor and that was a palliative care doctor by the name of Bob Arnold. He's like one of the godfathers of palliative care. It's like just about a 20 year old discipline. Mm. And he got my dad to open up about religion and his emotions and everything else. And so I still think that I went into palliative care now because I saw what he was able to do with my dad um, and my dad's time of need. And, and I think it really, really helped him become less afraid and more accepting. Um, Wow. Just more open. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. That's, I'm, yeah. I'm speechless. I'm sorry. That you had to <laughs> oh, go it's okay. That. Yeah, and thank you. thank you so That's much for sharing. Sure. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I lost my dad in, not from cancer, just, he was 80 when he passed. Mm-hmm. He, uh, but I'm like, boy, I wish we had a palliative care doctor. Yeah. 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 They, they, they work with, uh, with all end of life scenarios because mm-hmm complex medical illness tends to come up at end of life mm-hmm. yeah. it also comes yeah. up complex medical illness also comes up when you're you know early on and you're diagnosed with with mm-hmm. cancers at a young age and um oh, i'm okay this give me your hand i just and, wanted um, to make contact with you yeah yeah a palliative care doctor probably would have been yeah that would have been helpful. nice but yeah hey it's okay it's okay it is. Um, you know, as you know, it's just complicated and hard losing a parent, no sure. matter what. Mm-hmm. And, and your story was making me think about that. A lot of dad, dad stuff. I know. Stuff today. Dad. Um, well, he was clearly surrounded by people that loved him. And that's not something everybody has the, um, the luxury of. Yeah. And your dad, yeah, mm-hmm. was, yeah. Do yeah. you have, did you say if you have a sister? Mm-hmm. I have a younger sister. Yeah. She's yeah. six years younger. 
she's okay. a, wow. like best friend material. And oh. <laughs> she's where great. is she? She's in Pittsburgh. She's a, a high school teacher, Spanish teacher. Spanish. Wow. In uh, in a Pittsburgh's public public school. Hi, Hi. Emily. Hi, Emily. Hi, Emily. <laughs> and your mother, where is she? She's retired now, married to, I call him my new dad. <laughs> new dad. Nice. He's and very spiritual, very open-minded, very emotional. Mm. They got married in Hawaii this past oh, August. Oh, wow. no, this past August? Yeah, I guess so. Um, Congrats. And, Congrats. And they, yes, thank you. Hi, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Mom. And she and Paul, um, they got married there and had this very emotional ceremony. And she's now suddenly more open to this. I think it was the process of losing my dad and then... Mm. Um, and then and she's now retired, so they just like hang out in the woods. They're living it up. Plant wow. things and, and that she, sounds she awesome. does um, yeah. she does stained glass. Like wow. she's incredible. Yeah. Oh my god. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. So anyways, yeah. Send so us pictures of her good. stained glass. Yeah. Yeah, I'll see if I can I bring them. <laughs> she actually sent me this really nice. Wait, so one. sorry, they were married in Hawaii or is they, she they living just in got, Hawaii? They just got married in Hawaii, but they're now they're still living in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah. In okay. my in my home okay. that I grew up in actually. Oh my god. Um, I'll try to show you a picture before we go. Beautiful. She's she's really a talented artist. Actually, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Like, yes. We gotta bring you gotta come back to yeah. Riley. <laughs> we're, so we'll, many we'll do another we'll do another one, yeah. We'll do part we can two. come to you if it's easier. Oh yeah, yeah we will come to you too. As oh, well. we, I can come out here. It's fine. You have such a cool setup in the <laughs> open air. I don't have a good apartment for this. It's a studio. It's about the size of this little room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> we don't have enough room for, for even like a uh, mini one bar. Mic a mini bar. <laughs> oh yeah. Don't like so you, in sixty three days 63 63 days yeah you're gonna have a big party we Going are to, yeah yeah. Nice. yeah you guys can come i was like can we come i always <laughs> invite cool, myself cool, cool, cool. everywhere so, it's so, it's like, so you're having a party yeah. i'm like yeah. so when's the party so, we're coming so <laughs> we're going so and <laughs> we do is not is say there, no yeah two parties <laughs> And, but then you're needs her sauce. Right? Oh my God. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. But you're, you said, um, going, that was good. <laughs> yeah. I was not expecting Mom that. Her sauce. I'll put that as a hashtag. Too. <laughs> That's the name of the episode. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Mama needs her sauce. <laughs> um, you'll be going to San Diego. Yep. Yep. In La Jolla. Oh, wait, technically La Jolla, but La Jolla. We'll be, we're going to be living in that area. I'm sorry. Yeah. What was the name of the medical facility? UC San Diego. UC San Diego. The big medical center in mm -hmm. La Jolla. And then I'll be working within Scripps as well. So oh, okay. two big medical centers mm -hmm. down there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. And then I'll be surfing and climbing in the meantime. Great. Nice. Yeah. yeah. You got it and all set up. <laughs> I got it all set up. And I have a puppy. And, and, a puppy. and you're married. And your wife's it. name is? Stephanie. Stephanie. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, Stephanie. Stephanie. <laughs> we didn't kill him. She's training to become a pilot. A She's pilot. amazing. Yeah. Whoa. I'm surrounded by people that are cooler than I am. Yeah. I just want you to what? be able You're to. all cool all together. <laughs> yeah. You're the doctor. <laughs> and Charlie. Get out of here. You're all equal parts cool. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. For sure. What is, what's her path right now? Where is she She's bartending. She's bartending and and paying her way through essentially pilot training, which is, it starts off as, killer vision. Yeah, we both had LASIK. <gasps> so I, before we went oh, into we medicine, medicine or to pilot training, yeah, um, I think we both have probably 2020. I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe better. Mine's probably better oh, than man. hers. <laughs> Damn. Um, Getting um, that? Yeah. yeah. So she's, words. <laughs> she's studying now. She is. Yeah. And, and all that that means is that she has a pilot instructor that meets her as often as she can. Um, awesome. And they fly around for several hours at a time. She lands and takes off. Lands and takes hi? off. Is she flying over right now? I don't know. I don't <laughs> hi, Stephanie. Hey. She's not there now. She's not out there now. She's helping a friend move today. But um, 
That's yeah. A good so time. she does that, and then I think you you go from like a two seater single propeller to uh, instrument rating, meaning you can fly when you can't see anything. So you have to go by like all the gauges and everything. And oh then hell you do no! Terrifying. And, yeah. <laughs> and she wants blind. to do commercial. Yeah. This is like yeah, her, her God, career yeah. path. It's That's cool. really neat. Yeah. Amazing. Oh man. What am I gonna do? I know. When <laughs> we grow up. Grow when up. you grow up. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you guys meet? We met in high school. <gasps> Get out of here. Get out. Yeah. Have you been together since? We had a, a brief period where we were apart. I went to med school. We weren't happy, so I went to med school. She stayed, uh, you know, in Pittsburgh, and we we both Doing had real thing. relationships with other people. And then when I went back to Pittsburgh, around the time my dad died, actually, mm-hmm. she she actually came to the to the viewing, and oh, it was wow. the first time I'd seen her for two years, and we we didn't like reconnect there because I was, I was in a serious relationship with somebody else, but I think it kind of planted the seed because she knew my dad and she was like almost as beat up as I was. And, and not that that bought her brownie points or anything. It was just, it was just like, I, you kind of, everything gets put into perspective Mm -hmm. when you go through Mm -hmm. something like that. And it was like, God, this is the girl I've been in love with ever since I was 16. Mm -hmm. So Oh, is that lucky. a sweet I story? I got really lucky. Yeah, <laughs> she's amazing. amazing. Congratulations. <laughs> I love her to death. Oh All right, so gosh. we're going to meet her at your party. Yeah. yeah. You got to totally. let us know. Totally, yeah. yeah. And, then she and I'm guessing it's a going away party too, right? Yeah. Oh, gosh. It's everything. Yeah. We got to get, get him back far. for more recordings before he leaves. I know. Yeah. 63 days. Or you guys will just have a fun trip to San Diego. Yeah, I was going to say we can go. Definitely. Yeah, my husband's from San Diego, actually. Oh, good. But yeah. Um, but unfortunately, oh we got to wrap things up. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm so it's glad. A lot of fun. I hope, yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you for thank sharing you, you. your stories, being vulnerable, yeah. Yeah. and also opening you, you up about You too, all of you. That's yeah. just Everything. what you guys are talking about, what you're doing here is oh, is courageous. You. It's difficult. It's You're kind of getting into those, those little deep spots that mm-hmm. I think that we are afraid as a culture to go and Definitely. I think it's important stuff to talk about yeah for sure so as for Dr. Show. Riley said those wise words <laughs> take a walk yeah take call, a your walk. Mom. call your mom call your mom call your mom hold your friend's hands hold your friend's hands touch, touch your, your boobs, boobs. <laughs> <laughs> okay bye, bye. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to our lovely Lauren Naylor for her amazing portraiture skills and creating our cover art, to our sweet boy Tom Odo for our lovely music, and a great many thanks to my you caring supporters and donors. Tim Colacci, Vito Gigante, Camille Mazinski. You can follow my blog at wellthissucks.me, follow us on Instagram at WTS Podcast, Facebook at WTS The Podcast. And if you like what you heard, please, please, please subscribe, rate, and review. Yeah, thanks. Love you.